it's my honor today to introduce Kempton Turner. So Kempton is here uh, as a guest speaker with us. He is the pastor of uh, City of Joy Fellowship in East St. Louis. We've had the privilege of having him here before to teach us and uh, welcome him back. So welcome. Well, good morning, Trailhead. It is a, a real blessing to be back with you, and uh, it was sweet to worship Jesus at the 9 o'clock service, and now uh, 11 o'clock in the new building, and uh, we're just, just thankful to be here. I'm pleasantly surprised by uh, my good friend and our worship leader on staff, Mark Goins, and his family is back there in the back, so wave, y'all, all right. So praise God for them coming to worship uh, with, with us as well. My sweet wife could not make it today. Uh, we recently had baby number five. So yeah, yeah. Any, any, any baby, any uh, five children, families in the house? Right there. Wow. Praise God. So, all right. We just had to upgrade from the minivan to the suburban. Uh, you know, so we needed a little bus. So we I, I praise God for uh, my family and, and really thankful uh, for uh, the gr- growing partnership between City of Joy and Trailhead and the growing friendship that we have with Steve and Lauren and uh, how they commissioned their daughter, Victoria, uh, to uh, City of Joy. She is on our, uh, our launch team, and we are looking forward to launching September 18th. And so uh, we are thankful for your prayers, and yeah, praise God. Thankful for your prayers and partnership uh, as you join with us to see God glorified and the gospel spread um, for the joy of East St. Louis and, uh, and beyond. So we, we are very thankful. Uh, I do have a, a few questions that I would like to ask and uh, the first one is, uh, do you want to live a happy and satisfied life? Um, to which somebody already said, yes, that's what we were made for. Do you, do you want to, uh, for those of you who are in Christ, do you want to overcome indwelling sin and uh, patterns of uh, behavior that don't reflect Christ? Uh, I hope it's yes. Do you want to be a real blessing? in your family, and to uh, your church, and to the broken world that we live in? Do you want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrate Edwardsville, East St. Louis, even reaching to the ends of the earth? Well, uh, I I hope you do. And uh, all of this and so much more happens when uh, you, you, you... Get off of Facebook and get your face in the book. God has great and glorious things that he wants to do in us and through us through his book of truth. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bibles uh, or if a Bible is by you, turn to uh, right to the middle of your Bible, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And we will get our faces in the book and read just one verse. 
Just one verse this morning, Psalm 119, verse 18. It's on the screen as well. And it says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Let me read that again. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, would you do this right now for our joy, for our salvation, for the good of our family and community and world Even now, would you open our eyes as we look at you in the Bible and would you show us wondrous things, even from one verse, that our lives would never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now this holy word, from one verse, uh, God calls us to something precious. He calls us to something precious and And what does this verse call us to? If you take a glance at it, you see that this verse calls us to prayer. Okay? This verse calls us to prayer. This God-breathed scripture, it was breathed out of God's mouth. Uh, the, The doctrine of inspiration says that God's spirit got into the minds of men who wrote the Bible and they wrote down what he wanted them to write down and they make up the 66 books of the Bible. And so this one verse God breathed out and it is a prayer. The verse is a prayer. That's why this verse calls us to prayer. And this is uh, not just prayer to anyone. If you tie it back to verse 12, you see that in your Bible, it may have all caps. That's the covenant name of the God of creation, the Lord in uh, English, but it is Yahweh. This is the God that he's praying to. He's praying to the Lord. This verse is a prayer to the Lord, and this prayer, he says, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. So this is not just a general prayer about a lot of different things. This is a very specific prayer. This prayer is focused on the Word of God. You see that in the verse? It says, uh, so that I might see wondrous things out of your law. Okay? So we're going to talk about a few Hebrew words today. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally, translated uh, into our English Bibles. The New Testament was written in Greek and some Latin and Aramaic. So this word law here is the word Torah, okay, in Hebrew. And when he says, I want to see wondrous things out of your Torah, he is talking about the written collection of instructions from God which here simply refers to God's revelation of himself given to us in the book of truth. And so this small verse tucked away in the middle of the Bible brings together two massive pillars of the Christian's life. Prayer and the word. 
He's praying about the Word. These are two unshakable pillars of the Christian's life. Do you realize, believer, prayer is the air that we breathe. And the Bible is the bread that we eat. And, and, and so it's through these twin graces, I call them, prayer and the Word, that God keeps us living and growing and burning for Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to God's holy call through these just 13 words in this verse. He has something to say to you and to me through 13 words. And this is a call, listen, to make prayer central in your Bible reading. You bring this verse together and the two pillars in this verse, prayer and the word, and you hear the call of God to make prayer central in your Bible reading. And not just limiting this to praying before you read the Bible, but praying when the Bible is open, praying when you're listening to the Bible so that God would give you all the good that He has planned to give you through the Bible. And so I would encourage you even now to be praying, Lord, speak to me. You you, you brought me here uh, for a reason and open up my eyes to see wondrous things. By by God's grace, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, this verse calls us to never read or listen to, or meditate on, or memorize the Word without calling on the name of the Lord. Scripture and prayer are like Siamese twins. They are never meant to be separated. So let's enjoy this 13-word feast together. And let's begin with a question. And the question is this. Why is prayer even needed when it comes to reading your Bible? I mean, I got a brain, and I got eyes, and I was privileged, not like everyone in East St. Louis where I was raised, I was privileged to learn to read. So what's up with you spiritual people talking about that I need to pray when I read my Bible? I got a brain, I got eyes, and I know how to read. Well, if you look closer at the verse, if we just look at the dude who wrote this God-inspired prayer, which is probably King David, most scholars believe, we got to conclude that he's saying he can't see. Can't see anything good in God's book. Now, obviously, he's not talking about physical sight, right? Because you know anything about David. One day, David was chilling at his house, and he was supposed to be going out to battle. And if you remember the story, he went out on the rooftop, and somebody tell me when he looked down, who did he see? Anybody know? Okay, Bathsheba. So, so back in the day, obviously, the ladies used to take a bath outside. I'm glad, for the most part, they don't do that anymore, 
But in his day, he just had a bad day, and he went out, and unfortunately, his eyes got him into sexual trouble, which is another message that we need to wrestle with, right? The gospel gives us power to, to look away with our eyes, but he did not look away. And his physical eyes got him into sexual trouble. So when he's praying for his eyes to be open in verse 18, obviously he ain't talking about his physical eyes because they were open and got him in a lot of trouble. What is he saying then? He's talking about spiritual understanding. He's he's saying that the Lord's instructions are just ordinary, lifeless human words if Yahweh doesn't intervene. That's what he's saying. So he cries out, open up my spiritual eyes. Open not just my physical eyes so that I might see. I want to see beyond the flesh. I want to see Beyond the natural world, Lord, help me. He's crying out for help. This is a desperate cry. Do you get desperate when you read your Bible? The psalmist David here is saying, God, this has got to be more than my physical eyes. It's got to be more than my brain and intellect. Not less than my physical eyes. Not less than my brain and intellect. We are a thinking people, Christians, but if it's not more than that, then we are functionally atheists. And so, David prays, the first word here is open, open. Here's your first Hebrew word, galah. Can you say that with me? Just because it's kind of funny to hear you say it. Uh, Galah. There you go, galah. That Hebrew word is the word translated open. And this word galah means to show. It means remove. It means to uncover. It means to reveal secrets, spiritual secrets. The word galah open here, it means to remove a lesser thing so that a greater thing can be seen. This means that no one can behold or see the wondrous things that are in the Bible without divine intervention. This verse teaches that you have to have, I know you're smart, I know you made good grades, I know all of these things, but listen, the Bible teaches you and me that in order for you to get from the Bible what God wants you to get from the Bible, you need supernatural assistance. This is not a textbook. This is not a library book. This is the book of God. God wrote this book and you need the author to help you understand it. And be amazed by it. And David knew, as much as the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart, as much as he wrote all of these psalms, as much as he panicked for God, he knew that the Bible would be boring if he didn't get on his knees and pray. Do you know that? Open my eyes, God, and show me wondrous things in your Word. A miraculous opening like the Red Sea must take place in our minds and our hearts when we read. When we read the book of God. And now this is, this is humbling to me because 
This tells us that we are all naturally blind and naturally dull and naturally hard and cold and distracted and unmoved by the Bible if left to ourselves. Even Christians. David is already a truster in Yahweh. He already is a singer to God's heart. He already loves God, and yet he understands that if God doesn't show up, the Bible will do nothing for him. It's incredible. He wrote Psalm 119. That's the longest chapter in the Bible. And almost every verse has a synonym that refers back to the Bible. And yet this Bible man refuses to read his Bible without begging for supernatural assistance to see the wonders that are really there. How much more you and me? Never divorce. Bible reading from prayer. This is what God is saying. us through this one verse something supernatural friends must happen if you are to get anything good and living and powerful from these sacred pages you know it reminds me uh growing up in east st louis i i had a great uncle named uh, jb his name was joseph we called him jb and he was blind, all the way blind. I mean, fully blind. He could not see. Which makes what I'm about to say to you so amazing that one day I was kind of smart talking my great aunt, his sister, and the next thing you know, I had four brown wrinkled knuckles coming at my face like, Plah! I was like, oh, I thought she was blind, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess he kind of zoned it out and just wham. And I was, but, but anyway, I mean, this, this man was blind. And the, the, the amazing thing about it is if you see my cousins, like the girl, the girl cousins, they are beautiful. I mean, they are pretty. They, the, JB's wife is beautiful. My aunt, my great aunt, beautiful. Guess what? He never got to see her physically. I mean, he knew her on a deeper, deeper level, but, but she was beautiful. JB did not see her beauty. Now, the problem was not with her beauty. It was with JB's blindness. And this verse would remind us that we are all Uncle JB spiritually. We cannot see the beauty that's really there. It's not the Bible's problem. It's yours. And it's mine. There is a blindness that goes much deeper. The problem is with us, not with the Bible. What a tragic state to remain in. This blindness is rooted in our sinful heart condition. It's amazing. Your lack of desire, my lack of desire for this book is rooted in our sinful condition from birth. Because not only are we blind to the real treasures in the scriptures, but we're blind to God himself. Listen to how Jesus put it in Revelation chapter 3 when he has some hard words to say to a local church. This is a church. He's speaking to them. He's speaking to us. Listen to what he says. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. And I need nothing. 
not realizing that you are wretched. See, Jesus was raw with it. He just said, said it like it was. You're wretched. You're pitiable, poor, blind. He said it. You're blind and naked. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And watch what he says. He says, salve or ointment to anoint and put on your eyes so that you may see. Jesus says, you, you, you have a blindness problem. You were born not seeing God, not loving God. You were born in sin, severed from God. So your dullness or lack of desire to read the Bible, it goes deeper to your heart. And Jesus says, with a loving, tender heart, come to me. I've got some ointment for you. I want to waken up your Bible reading again. Come to me. I want you to meditate on my word and not think it's boring anymore. Come to me. Don't just close it and watch the TV. Don't just close it and look at your phone. Don't just close it and get on Facebook. Come to me. I want to add new life and energy and power and excitement to the scriptures again. I have ointment for you. That's what he invites the church to He invites the church to see. And this church here, as is the case with us in this room, he calls us to see much more than simply wondrous Bible reading. He calls us to really see our sin and to see our great Savior. Listen, this is where all spiritual seeing begins. For spiritually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked sinners like you and me. So while I realize that physically we look good, right? Like most of y'all, there's one dude back there. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) No, most of us look look good, right? Physically. But the Bible says (laughs) spiritually zombies Ephesians chapter 2 we must be born again we must be converted we must be given new life that's where spiritual sight begins at the cross that's what the old song says at the cross at the cross where I first saw the what lights and then the other old hymn says amazing grace how sweet the sound who saved the wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm fine was what blind. No beauty in the cross. No beauty in heaven. No beauty in the Bible. What salvation does is it gives you eyes for the first time to see Jesus Christ is not just a Jewish man that got roughed up and murdered and ended up on the cross. He's my savior. He's my king. To be saved is to be given sight that carries on into your Bible reading. So so the question is, are you a Christian? Now hear me, I'm not saying that Christians don't have affections that go up and down and that the Bible doesn't get dull and cold. I'm just saying, if you've never had a desire to devour God in the Bible, then you may not be a Christian. Because I tell you what, in 1 Peter 2... It says, newborn babes desire the milk of God's word. That's what it says. 
And I just had a baby, a fifth baby. And so I know, about, I know a little bit about babies. And I tell you one thing, all of them crave milk. The reason you know they're alive, they crave. My little Kellen, he's like, <laughs> I mean, I'll pick him up and I'll say, like, hey, bro, I ain't got nothing for you, man. Like he's all, <laughs> that's a new life. So if, if you don't at least have some kind of craving for the word, then I'm, I'm going to ask, are you alive spiritually? It is a serious thing. I believe God wants you to check your desire for the word. And you may find out that you don't desire the word because you don't know the word's author. And Jesus would say, just like he told these blind and wretched professing Christians in Revelation 3, come to me. Turn from your sin. Come and look at the man who died on the cross for your lack of desire for the Bible and every other sin. He wants to cleanse you and give you a new heart to love him and to love his word. And so, we all desperately need this prayer. It's not mainly talking about seeing with physical eyes, but seeing with spiritual eyes. I love this prayer uh, also in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. It's like a parallel prayer. In Ephesians 1, 18, the Apostle Paul says this to Christians, and I commend you to read Ephesians 1 and pray this for the church. He says, uh, enlighten the eyes of their hearts. I love that phrase. Think about it. He says, God, enlighten the eyes of your people's hearts. Did you know, Christian, that your heart has eyes? Now, if you just walk into a Starbucks and be like, yeah, man, did you? Yeah, my heart has some eyes. You know, they might just say, man, who, you know, they might call the cops on you. Like, Christians are crazy. When you became a Christian, you got a new heart, and God plopped a second pair of eyes on your heart so that now you can see beyond the physical realm. Do you know how amazing it is to be born again? You get a new heart, some new eyes, new affections, new desires. It's called regeneration. It's called conversion. These eyes are what, this is what David is talking about. Eyes to see beyond the physical page to wonders and glories that are invisible. Without God, you cannot see or understand the mind-blowing and mysterious realities that are in these heavenly pages. And so God preserved a prayer for you because he knew the Bible would get boring to you and the TV would look more appealing. And so he preserved this for this wandering heart. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you did. That when my heart begins to wander and stray, and I would rather scroll through my phone than flip through the pages of your book, you gave me a prayer. Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things in your 
word so that I might see through the black letters on white pages. Or for some of you real spiritual people, the red letters of of the Lord himself. Whatever the case may be. I want more than words, Lord. I want you when I read the Bible, and I've got to have you to get you when I read these scriptures. And so David prays, open my eyes that I might see. See what? Look at verse 18 again. He says, open my eyes that I might behold or see wondrous things. So he's stepping it up. He's like, I I don't want to play games, Lord. You are infinite, you are glorious, you wrote a book, and and it's wonderful things in there, and the fact that I'm not rocked by this book has more to do with me than you, so show me who you are. Kind of like Moses. This is a bold prayer. It's like, I refuse, God, to open up this book and be bored. With all that you say you are and all that you say you can do, I'm asking big stuff from you. Show me wonderful stuff in here, Lord. This word wondrous is your second Hebrew word. The word wondrous is translated from a Hebrew word, uh, palah. Kind of got to spit with it a little bit. So I'm going to see if y'all can. Okay, let's, let's go. Palah. That's, that's close. One more time. Palah. Okay, okay. Now wipe your mouth. You did good. You did good. This word, pala, wondrous, means wonderful. Look, it means marvelous. It means to cause amazement, to astound, extraordinary. It, it, it means having to do with great surprise and awe. So he's, he's saying, when I pick up this book, surprise me. Anybody like surprise parties? My wife threw me a 30th surprise party yesterday. No, not yesterday, 10 years ago. Uh, and... It was beautiful. I like surprises. The Lord, I mean, David is like, surprise me. Palah me, Lord. Palah me when I open up this book. Uh, uh, surprise me. Uh, do something awesome. The idea here is the miraculous revealing of something marvelous that was previously unknown, unseen, and unamazing. You get that? It means the miraculous revealing of something marvelous that was previously unknown, unseen, and unamazing. I think it's an amazing biblical illustration of this in 2 Kings. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings, I just want to show you an illustration of what David is praying. In 2 Kings, flip back several books, and you will come upon 2 Kings chapter 6. This is an amazing story, 2 Kings chapter 6, and what you see in 2 Kings chapter 6 is Elisha and his assistant, and uh, they found themselves outnumbered and about to get jumped for real, okay, meaning a lot of people were about to beat them down, basically, and kill them, and so... Watch what happens, though, starting at verse 14. Verse 14 of 2 Kings 6, it says, So he, the king, sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army 
with horses and chariots was all around the city. So the king sent all these chariots and horses. And when this is a great army, usually in the Bible, think like 10,000 people. And, uh, and the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So stop right there. So the king sends about 10,000 people because he's tired of Elisha talking about God. And Elisha and his servant now are looking in the face of 10,000 people. No wonder he's like, I would say Allah's too. <laughs> Allah's, what should we do? Um, look at verse 16. This is what Elisha said. Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Stop right there. What? Did y'all get the math? Elisha and one other dude, 10,000, and Elisha looks at his servant and says, chill out. It's more on our side than their side. And he's like, wait a minute. Either you don't know math or you've been smoking some of that Israeli. (laughs) Watch this. Look at verse 17. Then Elisha prayed. Now, that, that, you know, that's the spiritual ones, right? When something's going down, it's like, let us pray. It's like, no, man, we got to roll. No, 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 we need to pray, right? He says, Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. What do you mean open his eyes? He sees that it's 10,000 against two. Why are you being spiritual, Elisha? No, 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 keep reading. Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. It was not a physical seeing. This man could not see beyond the physical until God stepped in, and he saw that there were millions surrounding him because there's something in the invisible realm. If you are walking with Jesus that he allows you to see. He allows you to open up the Bible and see what's really there. Not just words on a page, but glory. Do you realize, Christian, the most important things to the Christian is in, are invisible. Our Father is spirit. We've never seen him. Jesus Christ, we've never seen him, yet we love him. The Holy Spirit empowers us. We've never seen it, yet we love. The new Jerusalem is our city in heaven. We've never seen it. The most precious and powerful things in the Christian life are not visible. We are a spiritual people, and it takes spiritual miracles to open up this book and be rocked by it in the way that God ordained for it to be. That's why we pray. Open, I only see 10,000 verses 2, Lord. I only see the big problems in my life. I only see the problems with my children. I I only see this uh, pornography problem in my heart. I I only see my anxiety creeping away at me. I only see fear. I I only see what the world is coming to. I, I only see physically. Listen, God wants to show you glories of his promises and his person in the book so that your fears will be swallowed up. In his love, that that his promises would not just be, oh, I learned that when I was a kid, but it would be life, would come alive. 
And that happens when you pour over your Bible reading with prayer. With prayer. This is why we open up our Bibles and pray, Oh God, show me wondrous things. Palah, extraordinary things in this book. And we can all agree that we were all made to see wondrous things. Nobody likes to be bored, right? If you like to be bored, man, we're going to have to pray for you in the back, like seven of us. I love being bored. That's just nobody. We all want to see things wonderful. That's the way God wired you. That's why we go to mountains, right? And we see these big mountains. I mean, why don't you just save you some money and, and, and get some rocks and just stack them up? Just a big rock. Just save you some money, get some... You know, we all want to see, uh, 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 like, you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Who's been to the Grand Canyon? Like, can I save you some money? Just dig, just get a shovel. It ain't nothing but a hole, right? Just dig up in the backyard and get your friends and say, we got to. Like going to the ocean? Anybody like going to the ocean? I used to live by the ocean in, in Houston, and it's beautiful. But I can save you a lot of money on your family vacation Go to the bathtub. It's just some water. We laugh, right? No, no, no. We weren't made for small rocks and bathtubs and small holes. We were made for wonder, for, for, to see mountains and to see oceans and to see big holes. We pay a lot of money to see big holes because, listen, God made you to see wonder. And the main wonder is in the Word. But you're going to have to tell your unbelief to be quiet because rarely do people think that opening the Bible can be more amazing than going to the Grand Canyon. Or do you think that God wrote a book to bore you? The problem is with us, not with God. He said, I want to see wondrous things. I want to see wondrous things. And my prayer is, we live in a day where this is like the most wonderful thing on the planet. We get most of our eye candy satisfaction from shiny screens. And yet we laugh when the Old Testament Israelites worship the golden calf. Well, behold your God. We were made for more than iPhones. Open my eyes, Lord, to see wondrous things from your word. And the encouragement is this. God knew we would get distracted. That's why he left us this prayer. <laughs> he knew the Bible would get boring to us. That's why he left us this prayer. He knew the flashy screens of iPads and iPhones would get more attractive to us. That's why he left us this prayer. It's wondrous things that he has for us. But how many of us would actually say your last week, if you even read the Bible, was wondrous? Yeah, man, my, 
man, my, my week was wondrous in God's word. Maybe a few of us. But the rest of us, it may be more like, um, have you ever seen the movie The, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? And, uh, or you read the book, you got Lucy, right? Little Lucy. Uh, um, and she's going through this closet of fur coats. And, and it's just like, fur coat, fur coat, fur coat, fur coat, fur coat, fur coat. And then she finally presses through the fur coats. And what does she end up at? Narnia, like this wonderful country. But she had to press through the fur coat, the fur coat, the fur coat to get to Narnia. That's like Bible reading. That's what this verse calls us to. It's like you continue to press through, you know, Psalms and Proverbs again and 1 Corinthians. And then I know that verse and I know that verse. But then you keep praying and all of a sudden you see wonders in the word of God. You are amazing. You're like, man, God spoke to you. You ever had that time where you read the Bible? You're like, man, God spoke to me. And it's a promise that you knew only God could speak. These are the things that God's word is calling us to wonder, wonderful things, glorious things. Use this verse like a mighty sword to cut through all the junk that keeps us from the Word of God. I mean, this verse calls us to never make peace with boring Bible reading again. I will not settle for it. If there are wonders there, I will pray until I see the Lord. Listen, don't be content with dry devotions when you have this verse. Don't be content with boring Bible reading when you have this verse. You have a weapon. Lord, open up my eyes. There's glory here, and I will wrestle with you until I see. Until I see. I just want to close by pointing you to the reality of the last part of this verse. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things. Where's the place to behold them? Not in a book. Books are good. Not in a blog. Blog are good. Blogs are good. Nice quotes from Twitter and all that. No, he's saying the wondrous things are in the word. And Luke 2444, Jesus says, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets all point to me. So I just want to leave you with this. The most wondrous thing about the word is the wonderful counselor himself. Jesus teaches us in Luke 24 that when you read the Psalms and the prophets, be on a mad search for me. There were, there were Pharisees that thought that Jesus says, you think this, just by reading this Bible that you have eternal life, all of it points to me. So when you open up your Bible, pray, Lord, show me wondrous things, especially your wonderful son that the whole Bible and the whole universe are about. So when you pick up your Bible, pray that you would see Jesus' wonder. The word is where we see the wonder of Jesus' eternal existence with the Father in triune glory, John 17, 5. 
The Word is where we see the Christmas wonder of Jesus' humiliation as he became a baby in Luke 1.35. The Word is where we see the wonder of Jesus' sinless life in 2 Corinthians 5.21. The Word is where we see the wonder of Jesus' miraculous works in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Brothers and sisters, the Word is where we see the wonder of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, Matthew 27, 46. The Word is where we see the wonder of Jesus' victorious resurrection in Acts 2, 24. And the Word is where we see the wonder of Jesus' glorious return in 2 Thessalonians 1. God has packed wonderful things in this book and he invites you to pray to read and to look to Jesus and watch the transformation over time that occurs I guarantee you your family and friends will know it and be blessed by it in Jesus name would you bow your heads for a moment and pray in God's presence? Oh, Lord, to open up this book with the Spirit's help and pass through the coats into the Narnia of all Narnias where we behold glimpses of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray. I pray that your Holy Spirit would show any person in this room if their lack of desire for your word can be traced back to their lack of faith in your son Lord thank you that you love us thank you that you died for the sin of lack of wonder when we read your word thank you Lord for your that helps us to desire your word and helps us to see Christ in the Bible. Lord, I confess my own sin of reaching for the phone before reaching for the word, being delighted by so many other fading trinkets in this life, and yet you wrote a book that you want to rock me and wow me and bless me through. And so, before my brothers and sisters, I confess that and I pray for fresh life in your word. You can preach this sermon and still lack what this sermon calls us to. And so I just confess that. And Lord, I pray that we would experience wonders in your word in the coming days and weeks. Especially the wonder of seeing your beloved son crucified, risen, and returning. Would you give us the blessing of prayer and Bible reading and wonder and amazement in this glorious book? I pray for myself and for my friends here in Jesus' name.